0: Welcome to the Magic Time Podcast, proudly brought to you by Firm Foundation Media. Well, good afternoon and welcome once again to the Magic Time Podcast. I'm Scott Squires, and uh, we just spoke moments ago with uh, Al Stewart, two-time defending NBL Defensive Player of the Year, I should say two-time Defensive Player of the Year. So in the theme of two times, we're going to go two times with the Magic Time podcast. And joining me now is a regular to the program, it's head coach of the Moncton Magic, Joe Salerno. Good afternoon, Joe.
1: Hey, good afternoon, Scott. How are you?
0: Very good, sir. Uh, I know that we were hoping to go at 4.30, but uh, apologize for keeping you waiting. but. We got uh, chatting to Al, and all of a sudden we were talking about uh, Lake Michigan, beef brisket, and uh, time just got away from us.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's a tough—you know—he's a tough act to follow. I, I think I probably should have gone first uh, in this podcast. And you know what? I think the whole reason—I I understand it now—the reason that him and I couldn't do this podcast together at the office was because he had to go get a beef brisket at Montana's after practice. So I, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna to have to chat him about that tomorrow, but uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy to be here again uh, this week.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know why, but as you're saying that, I'm picturing Al with his feet up, watching TV <laughs> and a beef brisket on his lap. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, that's you know, like I said, Al, he's got that got that sneaky smile to him, and uh, he, he was planning on on the brisket all day. I think that's that's he couldn't miss out on that. So anyway, it was a, it was a great podcast. <laughs>
0: Oh, good. I'm glad you got a chance to listen, and you know what? It was it was great getting a chance to talk to Al, uh, and you know, fans and and even guys like me, broadcasters. We get to see these guys on the court and during practice, but it's nice to uh, to get to learn a little bit about them. As it is to get to learn uh, about you as well, and and knowing that there's much more than just the basketball side to the people that uh, that we get to chat to. So, having said that, let's talk about the Moncton Magic. Uh, clinching a playoff spot recently and uh, your most recent game, uh, a pretty good one for the Moncton Magic as you guys hit the road and went down to Cape Breton and uh, you hung it on the Cape Breton Highlanders pretty good, a 135-105 victory for the Magic coach. And uh, the obvious aside, a solid win. What were a couple of things that you took away from that game down in Cape Breton?
1: Um, you know, I think I think the team responded um you know, to a message. We, we actually haven't played extremely well in Cape Breton and all all season, you know, we've had some close games down there. Uh, we had a really bad loss there about a month back and, you know, we, we kind of wanted to go down there and, and and try to make a statement, just kind of prove to ourselves more than anybody that, you know, we, we can come to Cape Breton and, and play well. And, uh, I think we did that. I mean, we were actually down, we were down 12 points, uh, in the second quarter of that game. And, uh, you know, at halftime, it was kind of gut check time, and and hey, you know, let's put together a better half of basketball, which which we did uh, in the second half, and you know, we ended up getting hot. You know, obviously Corey had a big game; he got hot, and and uh, you know, BJ had a nice game off the bench, and you know, it was just a, a pretty good good win for us. It was a, a pretty solid uh, win, especially on the offensive side of the ball.
0: Now I know uh, we had talked uh, in previous podcasts and even off uh, off air about the last time you were in Cape Breton. It was coming off that really long, grueling road trip in Ontario. And, uh, you know, even you admittedly said that you weren't overly happy with uh, with the overall effort in the last time you played. And uh, when we spoke last week, our last game down in Moncton, you had mentioned that, you know, you really wanted to go down to Cape Breton and, and make kind of a statement game. How satisfying was it to see the team come out like they did and to kind of put that other game from a few weeks back in way in the rearview mirror and come out with the performance you had?
1: It, it was good. It, it was, you know, I mean, it, it felt good to, to get a win uh, in Cape Breton. You know, you and I had discussed, we, we had changed up our travel schedule. You know, we went down the day before the game. We actually ended up getting storm stayed, so we had to stay two nights in Cape Breton. We stayed there after the game as well. Um, but, you know, I think that, that paid off a little bit. Um I was happy. I thought we actually came out playing very well. We, we really were – we had a cold start shooting the ball, but we were getting great looks, and the guys were executing really well to start the game, and, uh, you know, we fell into a little bit of a lull. Cape Breton, you know, started playing pretty well, and like I said, they kind of responded at halftime um, just like, hey, you know, we're, we're, we're a better team than, than what we're showing right now. Uh, there isn't going to be room for errors like this in the postseason. You know, let's go out and, and play – twenty four solid minutes and and we did that and and the guys played really well and came away with a with a really nice win.
0: And sometimes you never know what you're gonna get when you hit the floor. You can run through all the film you want, you can practice as much as you like, but sometimes you never know what's gonna happen in a game situation. But just looking at some of the numbers, and again sometimes numbers don't tell the story, but something that certainly jumps out at me is the Moncton Magic shot a razor sharp fifty-one percent from the field. Uh, was there any point during that game where you got a sense that the team was really kind of as a whole, uh, hitting their shots and, and when, if that happened, when did that happen for you?
1: Yeah, I think it happened, um, you know, midway through the second quarter, you know, we, we kind of came to life a little bit and we went on a nice run out of a timeout. Um, you know, Corey, Corey Allman got really hot there and, and when he's, when he's hot, I mean, teams know in this league that when he gets in a zone, he's, he's pretty tough to stop. And, and he just draws so much attention away from the basket. Uh, it really kind of opens a lot of other things up. And um, so, yeah, I mean, we, we started clicking and, and a lot of guys were knocking down shots and Terry Thomas had another outstanding game. And um, so it was, it was a really well-rounded you know victory for us. And um, yeah, we, we, we did, we just kind of started clicking and, and when we do that, you know, we can be we can be pretty tough a lot because of our depth and, and um we're just a really versatile team now as well. So um like I said, it was a great. great Any road win is great in this league. you always take a road win, but you know, in the fashion that we did to take a thirty point win on the road, um I think that like I said, that's kind of a statement and uh I was very pleased with it.
0: Yeah, talk about versatility and deep. I mean you mentioned uh, the two leading scorers in that game, your two of your starters, uh, Terry Thomas with 30, Corey Allman with 28. But bench points, you mentioned the bench in your second unit, outscoring Cape Breton 51-22, 51 points from the bench. And this may seem like an obvious question, Coach, but you know you see it in basketball all the time. Toronto Raptors notwithstanding at the NBA level, but you really need a solid second unit that can play valuable minutes, that's not going to take anything away from you on the offensive or defensive side of the ball. Right now, how are you feeling about your second unit and the depth that you have as we get ever closer to the playoffs?
1: I, I feel good about it. I feel great about it. I mean, I, I think when we have five guys really engaged and, and really playing hard out on the floor, I, I think our bench is as is, is good, if not better, than anybody's in the league. I mean, that game, you know, when you can bring in guys like Jason Kalis, who who had a great game in Cape Breton, you know, Brent Jennings, Juan Petillo, you know, Al Stewart, you know, Terrell Baines, like the list kind of goes on and on. And, um, it's very tough. I mean, having that depth is, is a weapon. It it absolutely is a weapon. And, you know, Cape Breton was down a couple men, uh, due to injury. And I think they, they might've had one, one guy suspended and, um, you know, you, when you have that kind of depth and a team is down a player or two, you're just that much more dangerous. So we just wanted to use that to our full advantage, which we did. I think we had eight guys in double figures and um, it was just it was a really solid you know full team effort.
0: So coach, you get that victory in Cape Breton. you got the bonus of an extra night uh, down in the Emerald Isle because of being storm stayed. But when you, once since you've gotten back, because, again, you've had a, a bit of a, a stretch of time between games, and, and that's been very evident in the majority of February and March, kind of um, a good thing for you guys because you had such a tight grouping of games throughout the early part of the season. But what's the last few days been like in terms of either guys getting rest or going over film, um, practices, shoot-around, whatever? What, what's the last few days been like getting ready for another road trip as you head to Halifax? <laughs>
1: Um, they, they've been good. The days have been good. We, uh, we've had a couple of good practices here the last couple of days. And, um, I, I, did change our practice schedule, you know, this, this time around compared to our last little layoff in between games, uh, where a couple of weeks back there when we had the eight days, you know, we practiced for a couple of days. We had a day off. We practiced for a couple of days. We had a day off. Uh, I changed that this week where we gave them actually the whole weekend off Saturday and Sunday. Uh, when we got back from Cape Breton, which I don't think has happened all season long. <laughs> uh, I actually emailed the players the schedule on the bus ride home from Cape Breton. I'd emailed them this week's schedule. And I think, I think Terry, when he was getting off the bus, he said, thanks coach. And I said, thanks, thanks for what, you know, and he thanks for the weekend off, because I don't think these guys had a, a Saturday and Sunday off all season. But, um, you know, we decided to go that route this time around. And, and we, we practice obviously Monday, Tuesday, uh, we'll practice tomorrow, just kind of three full days in preparation for uh, for Halifax uh, on Thursday.
0: Now, Coach, one of the things that my broadcast partner, Dave Tingley, and I talked about more so in the early part of the season was that one of the consistent things, at least from a win-loss record for the Moncton Magic, was inconsistency. Win a couple, lose a couple, and kind of trying to to build that consistency and string some wins together. The last number of weeks... The consistency has been there, even with a couple of roster changes and bringing some guys in, like as you mentioned, bringing in Juan Patillo and uh, Marvel Waith. But the last while, you guys have consistently going been going seven and three, six and four in your last ten over the last number of weeks. How are you feeling right now about where you see the team's consistency being in terms of knowing what units you want to put together when you get into the playoffs? Because again, you've clinched; you know you're going to be in the playoffs playoffs you don't know who you're going to play yet but how are you feeling about your consistency I I
1: feel good about it I feel better about it I I think actually really the whole second half of the season we've we've been pretty consistent Um, you know we've dropped a a close ball game here or there you know we may have had a a poor performance in my mind once or twice here this second half of the season I think the the last game at St. John I think that game at Cape Breton a, a few weeks back um, but for the most part, I, I think we have been playing much more consistent basketball. I think the second half of the season, you know, offensively, we've we've normally been pretty good. I think you'll have the rare night where, you know, we're not shooting it as well, which we can still struggle with because we are still a jump shooting team. Um, but I think for the most part, we're, we're much more consistent than we were, you know, in December and, and even January. Um, and that's a good sign. I mean, that's certainly a good sign, especially when you add you know, a couple new players, which we have. Um, it's a good sign that the rest of your your group has been consistent. And uh, you know, I think the new guys, it helps them. It helps them when they see consistent play every day, and kind of helps bring them along a little bit. So, uh, I'm I'm pretty pleased with it. You know, and uh, with the playoffs coming around. You know, with, with series, you you have to play consistent. You you don't you can't afford to have an off game or, or play poorly one night. So, um, it's a it's a good sign for us.
0: You know, and all season long, we've we've talked about uh, both on these podcasts and on the broadcast about, you know, how a veteran laden team, the Moncton Magic, are with a nice sprinkling of young players, but really a, a really uh, veteran team. And talking to the players on game day, or whether it's on these podcasts or or whatever, you get a real sense of confidence in this group. Not a cockiness, but a confidence that this team can go anywhere and beat anybody, and that anybody coming into the Coliseum are going to be up against a tough game. And again, sometimes it's a fine line between confidence and cockiness, but there's a very high level of confidence with this team that I see and that I sense. From a coaching staff perspective, what do you see when you look at this team and and what kind of things do you sense when you're just around the players? And, I mean, obviously you're going to say that we feel we can beat anybody, but kind of just taking a step back and getting a sense when you kind of observe – what do you pick up from this group?
1: I'd agree with you. I'd agree that it is a very confident group, but I I don't think it's a cocky group at all, or, or an arrogant group. I you know we've we're twenty and fifteen. You know it's not like we're you know twenty five and ten or, or thirty and five, and, and we have no right to to be cocky. I, I think that every guy on this team knows what we're capable of, and and they know. Um, you know we we can beat anybody i think they all know that they also know we have to play well to do it um so i don't think there's really ever a case it's very rare if there is that we overlook an opponent um and i think the guys just they just do play with confidence and you look at our record i mean you know we we've, we've lost some close games but i but i think i think we probably have maybe us or london maybe have the most you know 20 plus even 30 plus point victories over the course of the season Um, you know, when we're clicking, we're very tough to beat. And I think that gives our guys that sense of confidence They they know when we play well, we're, we're going to be tough to beat that night. Um, so I agree with you. I I think it's a, it's a confident group. and, And a lot of these guys have been through the trenches when it comes to playoffs. And, you know, Jeremy Williams has, has won a championship in this league. He's also been to another final. Al Stewart's been to two finals, um, you know, myself, I've been to some finals. And, and so, yeah, I think it's a veteran group of confident players that realize we can compete for a championship this year, but also know that we have to play well and be on point to uh, to do that.
0: Now, at the very beginning of the year when we talked, and, and certainly in the first couple of podcasts early on in the season, one of the things that was a constant theme that we chatted about was, kind of the parody across the league and that, you know, you had felt that all of the teams had gotten better in the off season and that St. John's coming in had put together a good roster and that is kind of borne out over the season is that there is a lot of parody. but from where you were at the beginning of the season and, and putting your own team aside. So putting the Moncton magic aside where you were at the beginning of the season, looking at the league as a whole, looking at the other teams and where we are now, just a few games left in the regular season, has there been anything that's kind of surprised you about how the league has unfolded or how the season has gone?
1: Um, I, well, I, I think the Edge have been a, a a very pleasant surprise for for the league. <laughs> you know, not so much for opponents, um, but I think what they've done in their markets and in the crowds they're bringing in. In the quality of basketball that they're playing has been a, a, a great surprise. I mean, I think, I think coach Dunlap has done a, a tremendous job over there putting together a, a, a very good group of, of players. Um, you know, it's a very unselfish group and they, they play very good basketball, you know? So I think that's been a, a, a great surprise. I mean, I, I'm a, a little surprised, you know, with, with Cape Breton and KW um, probably more so Cape Breton, you know, and, and let, let's face it, every team can go through a tough season. Um, but I was expecting Cape Breton with their opening day roster, you know, to to maybe have a, a little bit of a of a better season than what they've had. Um, you know, they've had a lot of turnover, which I think is unfortunate. Um, you know, but that also happens. I've had I've had tough seasons, you know, losing seasons where you have lots of turnover and you keep trying to change the pieces and and, and find a group that works. So it does happen, you know. But I think overall, I mean, again, everybody knows. Any given night, you can win or lose a game in this league. And I think that parity has kind of held true as to what I thought it would be uh, at the start of this NBL Canada season.
0: Now, Coach, looking ahead, uh, you've got a game coming up on the road in actually a couple of more games in Halifax uh, against the Hurricanes. But uh, the most immediate one is going to be this Thursday night. Uh, What things specifically are you doing to prepare for the Hurricanes? You know, Are you going back and looking at film from your past games against them? Are you checking out a couple of their most recent games against other opponents? But what are a couple of specific things that you're doing to prep not only your coaching staff, but your team for Thursday night's matchup at Scotiabank center?
1: Yeah. I mean, our our film session tomorrow will consist of, of clips from, from our games uh, against Halifax, you know, what has worked well, you know, what, what hasn't, you know, what we've struggled with, and then, of course, some, some more recent clips, you know, of, of maybe some slight changes that, that Halifax has added or, or little tweaks and uh, maybe new sets that they're running. You know, Halifax, they've, they've been pretty consistent with what they're doing offensively most of the season. And I think that's a reason why, you know, they're they're so good at it is, is all those guys are really on the same page and they understand, you know, what they're running and, and the style of play that, that they want to play. Um, you know, for us, we're, we're trying to figure out you know, we've struggled a little bit offensively against that team over the last couple of times we've played them. And a lot of that is attributed to, to how tough Halifax is defensively. Um, some of it is, is you know, we have to find some other ways to score the basketball against them. You know, they've done a nice job of taking a few things away. So, I mean, that that's kind of what the, the preparation has been like. Um, you know, these last couple of days in practice has still really kind of been focusing on on the magic and what we need to do. Um, as as our team goes, and tomorrow's film session and, and practice will really be more focused on on Halifax specifically, um, maybe defending certain things a certain way or, or whatnot. So, um, but it's tough. I mean, they're they're a tough team, you know. And, and I know our, our season series is split. You know, we took the first two; they've they've taken the last two. All of them have been tight games. Um, so, I, you know, it, it's a cliche, but yeah, you know, I mean. Which team, you know, really wants to come out with that win tomorrow night? You know, when you have two teams that are as evenly, you know, kind of stacked up against each other as we've been, a lot of it comes down to desire and and, and just doing the dirty things and, um, you know, what, what team wants to come out with that victory.
0: And, Coach, you know, I know that you, as most coaches, don't want to look too far ahead and you don't want to look past your next opponent. However, as you guys now have clinched a playoff spot, and, you know, you're getting down now to the, the last few games of the regular season. How much is there a part of you, and maybe even the team for that matter, that, again, not overlooking opponents, but just kind of want to get through the last few games of this regular season and sink your teeth into the playoffs? How how much of that is there, and how do you fight that off?
1: Yeah, there, there is quite a bit of it. I mean, we, we talked actually yesterday before practice. We kind of sat down and we talked for a few minutes, the, the team and myself, and we're really trying to look at this as this is the start of, of our second season. Um, you know, the first season is over with, and, you know, we went 20 and 15. Um, we had that, that little two-day break there, right? That was their, their March vacation, was having that weekend off. And when we came back into practice Monday, it was really kind of talking like, hey, we have these five games. Uh, we want to continue to play good basketball. We want to make sure that we, we sew up that two-seed Um try to still compete for that one, but, but we know we're, we're going to be. And, um, you know, now let's focus on, it's a new season. Let, let's kind of revamp and retool a couple of things here and get better in areas that we've struggled because this is the the season that matters, you know, the, the playoffs, the postseason. this is why you play. This is, this is what you, you know, you're here to compete for a championship. So I think it was more of just kind of, Hey, let's, let's refocus in. Let's turn the intensity up here a little bit. And let's really try to be dialed in and and be prepared to play these last five games and and go into the playoffs on a a high note.
0: And, Coach, I know that uh, with some of the extra time between games that uh, the team has been doing so much of the wonderful community work uh, that Moncton does uh, in the greater Moncton area, the Moncton Magic, that is. And, And even Al Stewart mentioned how much he enjoys it. I know you've got young kids yourself and and you enjoy being around them and and you're a real family man. What does it mean to you and the team to be able to go out and and to spend time around these kids and and to make these kinds of positive impressions on youth in and around the Moncton area? How much satisfaction does that give you in the team?
1: You know, quite a bit. I think probably a little more to some guys than, than others. I think all the guys understand that this is an important part of their job and they are looked at as role models, you know, in this community. And so many, you know, especially you look up to these guys. Um, It can be extremely satisfying. You know, one of the things that we've done all season, and it's something that that I've also done in the community all year, is is we have a um, uh, kind of a a resiliency campaign. We we, we kind of, we've been going to schools every week throughout the entire season, just kind of talking about the message of, of, of resiliency and and being resilient in life and kind of how important that is. And, um, I was having a a bit of a a rough week there a a week or two ago, and we went to this smaller school and it was a very small group setting. And, you know, I, I left there just completely refreshed and, and just, just happy with a smile on my face that, you know, these kids, you could sit there and talk with them and, and, uh, you know, hopefully try to have a positive impact on their life and and try to have a, a positive message, to give to them and it just it just it makes you feel really good and um I think for some of our guys Al Stewart would would certainly be one of those guys he's been one of our go-to guys for this resiliency message and um you know I think we get just as much joy out of it as as the, the kids do and uh that's a nice thing it's it's a really nice uh nice thing to be part of
0: now I got to ask you uh about your kids and and, and Cam in particular cuz your daughter's a little bit younger and and she's a little more shy but Cam is kind of a gregarious young man. How's the photography career going with him and how's his hockey career going coach?
1: Both are going both are going well, you know. He's actually though he's actually uh he had today his first piano lesson and this was something he wanted to do. This this had nothing to do. I never played the piano. I never had an interest in the piano. And he started talking about this around Christmas. He said, Dad, I'm, you know, I'm going to ask Santa for a piano. I said, oh, boy. I said, I, I don't think that would fit in, in the sleigh, buddy. You know, like, I, I don't know. And he's like, well, that's what I really want. So Santa brought him, you know, a pretty nice keyboard. And we kind of figured, well, if Santa brings him a keyboard maybe we'll see if he's actually really interested in the piano or not. So he got a, a keyboard for Christmas and, uh, he loves it. And he's, he's been playing on it every day almost. And, um, so we said, okay, we're going to get a piano lesson. So his first lesson was today. And, uh, Camden can, you know, it, he has a pretty short attention span. He's into whatever he sees. His, his grandfather <laughs> was up visiting, uh, for Christmas and he was teaching him a couple real kind of basic little songs that he knows on the piano. So I was asking my wife today, you know, how did, how did Cam's piano lesson go? And she said, you know what? He did really well. I was sitting outside the room, and it seemed like he was paying attention. But then I heard him say, ask his teacher, can I show you a song that my Papa Joe taught me? <laughs> and, and, he, and he started playing Smoke on the Water. <laughs> <laughs> You know, <laughs> supposedly the the first piano lesson went uh went pretty well. I'm I'm looking forward to you know when I get home uh tonight having him tell me all about it. But uh he's doing he's doing pretty well.
0: Why is never it never a dull <laughs> moment. Yeah, why is it not surprising to <laughs> me at all that your son would have wanted to play Smoke on the Water for the piano <laughs> teacher?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Supposedly um, you know, he he did all right and, and she was fairly impressed, is is, is what I heard.
0: I, again, I I wouldn't at all be surprised if uh, we saw Cam out there doing a piano accompaniment for the national anthem one day at a Magic game.
1: Yeah, you know it's uh, he's like I said he's into an awful lot of things and um, you know it could be something different tomorrow. He's all excited because I, I signed him up for for baseball here um, you know starting the spring and so you know it, it's great though it's uh, both my kids like I said they're they're a pretty. Pretty great release away from the job and some of the stresses that come with it. And, and you know, when I when I kind of walk into the the house, you know, you completely forget about whether you had a good practice that day or what the scouting report is on Halifax. And it's pretty easy to kind of put that aside. Uh, they don't let me think about <laughs> about work when I get home.
0: No, being a dad myself, I know exactly what you mean. So we'll turn yeah. back around to a couple more basketball things. One Moncton Magic related, and then we'll. We'll kind of go off the NBL, but still basketball related to finish it up. But the first one is, and I just thought about this as we were talking a little while ago, but for fans that may not quite get a grasp of the gravity of the accomplishment uh, for Anthony Anderson and soon to be Al Stewart, maybe just if you can, you know, put into words exactly what it means to have soon to be the only two players in National Basketball League history, with a thousand points, a thousand assists, and a thousand rebounds, because some fans might hear those numbers and it may not really register. As a coach and someone who's been around players your whole life, what do those numbers mean?
1: Boy, I mean, it's um, it's a, a pretty serious accomplishment, <laughs> you know. I mean, I think you think about high school basketball players, and it's such a big deal. When a when a high school player scores a thousand points, right? They, they they stop the game and they give them the game ball and and they maybe go down in that school's history as a thousand point score. It's kind of like a, a club that they're in. That's a big deal, and most of the time it takes players four years to accomplish that feat. You know, here you have these two players that that not only have a thousand plus points. I mean, Anthony Anderson is coming up on five thousand points, which is just completely mind boggling. Um, how many points he has scored in his career, but to, you know to have that you know over a thousand points, a thousand rebounds, and a thousand assists. I mean, it really takes a special player um, to accomplish that feat. It, it you know it takes a player to play in this league for a long time, and, and that to me is what is what's maybe one of the most impressive things. With as transient as this league is, and as tough as the job is at, at this professional level. To keep your job and to want teams to have you back year after year after year, it's just extremely impressive. I had a player a few years back that said a great line when he was being interviewed. They were talking about the NBL Canada and, and you know, how tough it is to, to break into this league. And, and the player said, you know, for every guy in this league, there's a thousand players at home trying to take his job. And, and that's absolutely true. I mean, it's I I will receive, I'll easily receive a thousand emails over the course of a year of, of players that I've never even heard of, trying to get into this league. So for those two guys to be as consistent as they have their presence in this this National Basketball League of Canada, it's just really really impressive. And um, you know the accolades comes along with it. So it's a it's a great beat for both of them. Um, it makes my job easier having both of those guys. I've, I've had the luxury of having Al for, for seven years. Um and, and of course my first year working with with double A, but they're just they're true uh they're true pros. They're they're two tremendous basketball players and it's it's a really big deal.
0: Well it is and I know Al's only Two rebounds away, which more than likely he'll get in Halifax. But there's a little broadcaster selfish, selfishness in me, coach, that wishes he could get it at home on uh, <laughs> on Saturday.
1: <laughs> well, I, I'd be hard to find the last time that Al only had one rebound in a game. Yeah, so I, 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 know. I I would agree with you. I think that will go down uh, Thursday night in Halifax, and um, you know it'll be it'll be it'll be great. It'll be exciting for him, and um, you know, like I said, it's it's a great accomplishment and. Let's face it. One of only two people in the entire world <laughs> have ever accomplished that feat. Um, so it's a you know it's a great thing.
0: It really is, and again, that's another reason for fans to visit MonktonMagic.ca and watch the live stream when you guys take on Halifax. So let's wrap it up. I know that we like to sometimes talk about things other than basketball, and we we did actually a little while ago because smoke on the water and piano with your son. That's that's as great as it gets, in my opinion. <laughs> But we'll we'll go off of basketball in terms of NBL, but got to wind it up talking about probably the most exciting time of the year for most basketball fans, March Madness. You know, the bracketology is out there. I think I saw a stat the other day where upwards of 8 million people have downloaded and submitted a bracket and some of these bracket challenges. I know that you're a busy man and you got a lot going on with the Moncton Magic, but have you had time at all to look at the seedings and – uh if so, who do you like?
1: Yeah, I have, and I will always make room, make time for, for March Madness, and it's something that I've, you know, it's, it's been my favorite time of of any sports, you know, time of the year since I was a kid. I mean, I, I love March Madness. I remember filling out brackets when I was, you know, like 10, 11, 12 years old, uh, doing them. You know, with my dad and we'd always have a, a little pool, family pool. We'd fill out brackets and, um, you know, I, I, I love March Madness and I have had some time to, to take a look at the brackets and certainly, you know, some things really jump out to me. I, I think, you know, uh, a couple teams who got in, maybe Shindev and, and I think the, you know, the NCAA has a, a pretty tough job, you know, that board when they're, they're making those selections. But uh, we actually we're talking about after practice today, we're going to have a, a team pool. And uh, and make sure we get uh, the guys in that. And um, nice. but anyway, it, you know, I'm sure it's going to be another great tournament. And and I definitely I filled out my bracket uh, when I do it last night, probably about 11 p.m. at night. I filled it out, so
0: uh, I'm excited. All right, now are are you willing to divulge uh, who you have going all the way? First of all, is it a one seed?
1: Uh, winning the whole thing, it is. Um, but I only have. Oh, of course, I'll, I'll divulge. Of course, so I. I'm going with Kansas. I'm going with talk Jayhawk. I I just – I don't – you know, Bill Self, in my opinion, is is one of the best coaches in college basketball. Um, I think you'll never go wrong betting on Kansas ever. It seems like they're always in the mix. And I also think they have the easiest bracket to come out of. I think the Midwest um, is certainly the the easiest region. You know, when you look at, like, the south, the south region is – is a, is a nightmare. I I would actually be upset if I was Virginia, you know, who's the number one overall seed having to play in the same bracket as Kentucky, you know, Arizona, Cincinnati, um, you know, Creighton uh, to me is, is a sleeper. It's just a really tough region, um, in the South, but, uh, but I do, I have, I have Kansas, uh, one of two number one seeds, uh, in my final four.
0: not, bad picks at all and I know it was really neat actually the other day um, I know that Terrell Baines was really excited and, and his mom I think it was one of his family members posted some pictures of him back when he played for Marshall because Marshall uh, made it through to the to the round of 64 and he was pretty excited that Marshall had uh, had gotten into March Madness So well, I thought that was pretty neat
1: yeah first time in 31 years Marshall has uh has made the tournament Uh, I said that to Terrell today at practice. I said, hey, I said, Marshall, huh? I said, Thundering Bird, first time in 31 years. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's been a long time. Coach said, yeah, I think they're one and done, Terrell. I think think they're they're one and done and kind of, you know, they had a tough game with Wichita State in the first round. Um, But, no, it's exciting when, you know, a player's former school is is in the big dance. And uh, a few years back, one of the teams I was coaching, I think like five of our guys, all had their team make the NCAA 64, or the field of 64. and There was a lot of trash talking and dancer going on, um, but it's great. I mean, who, who's in your final four, Scott? Who, who do you got?
0: Well, you know, the funny thing is, is that the other day, and it was by happenstance that I came across it, but I, I was flipping through channels and I landed on an ESPN 30 for 30, why I hate Christian Leitner. Yeah. And it went back yeah. to that whole his time there and, and how – Duke became this hated team I know they're a two seed and and not a lot of people are are looking at them but uh I actually I actually like Duke wow
1: wow I actually Scott I actually have I have Rhode Island upsetting Duke in the second round how about that pick how about that pick Scott (laughs) that
0: that blows my bracket all to heck
1: (laughs) yeah well I'm, I'm sure uh I mean, my my bracket seems to get busted uh, pretty early every year. I'm actually in a pretty interesting pool, uh, and it's the first time I've been in this type of pool, where you actually select 16 teams out of the field of 64, and for every game that one of your team wins, you get the amount of points of the seed that it was. So, for example, I picked Texas. And, uh, you know, if Texas wins one game, they're, they're worth 10 points. So every round they win, they're awarded the number of points that their seed was. So it kind of steers you away from picking the, you know, the one and two seeds. You want to try to pick, you know, maybe more four through 10 seeds and really kind of hope for some upsets. And it's the first time I've, I've been in that type of pool and I thought it was kind of a, a cool coming to
0: that is, that's actually really neat because then it, it kind of gives you hope beyond just making the straight picks.
1: Yeah, you know, no one wants to pick chalk, right? And no one, i mean, I think the first time, three years ago, I think was the first time ever that all four number one seeds made the final four. Um, so it, it's pretty rare that that happens anyway. But um, I mean, <laughs> I think you're going to sense of how much I enjoy March Madness. It's just—it's uh, a great time of the year, and, and um, I'm such a big fan of it, and I love. I love watching, you know, I watched this weekend, all weekend since we had the weekend off. You know, my TV was on with all the conference championships. And, you know, my University of Vermont Catamounts were upset by UMBC. You know, uh-huh. that would have been their ticket to the big dance, but uh, on a buzzer beater, which was tough to take. But, um, no, it's it's exciting. I can't wait to see uh, what some of the guys pick and, and who they're going with.
0: Well, I know that uh, there's a couple of play-in games uh, tonight and tomorrow night. But my final four, I mentioned Duke. I got Villanova, Gonzaga, and Virginia. That's my final four right there.
1: Wow, we only have one. Right, so I have I have Villanova out of the East. I have Kansas, uh, Carolina, out of the West, and uh, Arizona, the fourth seed, coming out of the out of the South. That's my my final four, with a Arizona Kansas final, and uh, Jayhawks winning it all.
0: Oh, it's going to be fun. The next few weeks are going to be fun for sure. And last thing for you, I noticed the other day on, uh, on Twitter, I think it was, you were asking if there was a stream link to a, a particular high school game. Can did, First of all, what was the game, did you find a stream, and who won?
1: Oh, yeah, no, so that was my, my old high school, Montpelier High School uh, in Montpelier, Vermont, which is where I graduated from. Um, I My senior year, I actually lost in the state finals the state championship game in overtime uh, 64 <laughs> um, 61 but it was also that was my first coaching job um, out of college I, I coached high school basketball at Montpelier High school um, one of my former assistants from the professional team I was coaching in Vermont the Frosties, is is the head coach at Montpelier High School now um, and actually they, when I was coaching there I think this was back in 2007, maybe might have been my last year uh, at Montpelier. Was the last time that we went to the Final Four. I, I took the the Solons there um, as a as a head coach as well. <clears throat> so they uh, they're in the playoffs this year. They were a four seed in Division Two, and it was their quarterfinal game. So to punch their ticket to go to the Final Four, and they ended up losing by two. And uh, I didn't find the live stream. I was able to get a link. Someone on Twitter messaged me to a radio broadcast. So I got to listen to the game um, via radio broadcast. And it was pretty 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 heart wrenching. You know, they haven't been there in well, eleven, twelve years since since I was there. And I was really hoping my former assistant would uh would would get back there this year and they, they came up just short.
0: Those allegiances never go away, do they, Coach? They don't. And you know what? I think that's what I I was talking to to my, my assistant Mitch
1: Rowley uh, the other day about this. That's what, that's what's so great about March madness in, in college basketball and even high school is that people, it's their alma maters. People have significant ties there and no matter what, no matter where you are, that will always be a piece of you. So, I mean, you are, you are genuinely tied to that team and you always want to see them, them do well. And, uh, you know, I mean look at me, I've I've been coaching for a long time now and, and you know, at the professional level, but I'm frantically searching for a link to a high school game in, in <laughs> Vermont, you know, the other night. Um uh, just because, you know, Montpellier High School is, is a is a part of me and, and I think that's what you see uh you know, with March Madness. The madness is uh how passionate fans are about their, their alma maters.
0: Well listen, coach, uh, the passion shows through not only for your alma maters, but also for what you're doing with the Moncton Magic. We appreciate your time. We wish you, obviously, uh, good luck Thursday night in Halifax. And very excited to see you guys back at the Coliseum on Saturday for a game uh, at home, St. Patrick's Day. I'm very curious to see what the coaching staff will be wearing in terms of green.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. I might have something up my sleeve for you, Scott. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll leave it to be a surprise, though.
0: Fair enough, my friend. Fair enough. Listen, Coach, uh, an absolute pleasure as usual I'm going to uh, end this podcast and go listen to Smoke on the Water.
1: Sounds great, Scott. Have a a good day.
0: Yeah, you too, sir. Take care and uh, safe travels and good luck in Halifax. Thanks a lot. That was Coach Joe Salerno, the head coach of the Moncton Magic, and this has been the Magic Time Podcast. Once again, I want to thank our guests earlier this afternoon, Al Stewart, and of course, just now, Joe Salerno. Take care, my friends. Enjoy the rest of your day, and if you're anywhere on the East where they're having this Nor'easter, make sure your cell phones are charged, get some snacks, but most of all, be safe. And remember, if you can't take part in sport, be a good one anyway. I'm Scott Squires. We'll see you again. Thank you for listening to the Magic Time Podcast. Proudly presented by Firm Foundation Media.